this is your first time, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Surrogacy Australia's podcast series with me, your host, Anna Mackay. My guest on this episode was a co-host on the regular webinar series that I run. Those one-hour webinars are free and will take you through the surrogacy process in Australia. You will hear from a surrogate or parent and there are opportunities to type in your questions and we will try to answer them. You can find upcoming dates on our website at surrogacyaustralia.org. This episode, recorded in August 2023, features Gemma. Gemma from North Queensland birthed as a surrogate in Brisbane in March 2023 for a couple who were initially strangers and are now lifelong friends. Despite her waters breaking 10 weeks early and an emergency C-section, she had a little boy, Rupert, at 32 weeks for two dads, James and Jim Bob. Gemma is also an admin of EDA, Egg Donation Australia, has donated 13 times for six different families with seven babies born and two on the way. In this episode, Gemma talks about having a village of supporters to help with her kids with the early birth, how important the emotional payment was to see the dads bring their son home after two weeks in intensive care, how to maintain the friendship post-birth with alternating who visits who, keeping in touch via FaceTime, talking about the what-ifs and being willing to adjust to a plan changing. Gemma makes reference to meeting her intended parents at a growing families conference where she was volunteering and speaking as an egg donor. Check them out for when they're running a seminar or conference in your capital city because you never know, you could meet your future surrogacy team at one of those events. Gemma is glowing in how she talks about her journey, which I'm sure you'll hear in her voice. I hope you enjoy this episode. So with Gemma, we've got here, we've got some beautiful photos to work our way through. And I think, Gemma, we might go from sort of this point in the journey onwards, the pregnancy and birth and beyond to now, and then we'll go back to the beginning of how it all started. Beautiful. So tell us, um, who's in this photo here? Um, so this myself on the uh, left, my husband on the far right, um, and Jim Bob next to myself and James uh, next to my husband, Will. Wonderful. Yeah, so this was the first time um, that James and Jim Bob had actually met, uh, well, my fiancé at the time. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right, lots of story to, in there, I'd imagine, to, to get the dating and the chatting stages. Yeah. So then we've probably got a bit of a jump here. So what's happening in this photo? So this is uh, embryo transfer day. So this is uh, literally right around this time a year ago um, was embryo transfer. So big, crazy, crazy day. Yeah. Is that the famous IVF doctor? Oh, that's my beloved Dr. Keong. Sure is. I love him. (laughs) Wonderful things about him. Yeah. So the embryo transfer, was that in a Brisbane clinic where the the dads live? Yeah, so that was um, Gold Coast. So um, James and Jim Bob were incredible. So they knew that I already, being a multi-time egg donor, uh, loved and trusted Dr. Ong. Um, so they they had the embryos created at a different clinic in Brisbane, um, but beautifully and, and you know, uh, were, were willing to sort of allow the transfer to take place um, at my preferred clinic. That's yeah. Great. I mean, that's yeah. a great example of conversations to, to be had among teams there. And, and you've the one with the experience there too. So yeah, that, that's great. As a team, you, you went with that. It was just the the comfort and trust, you know, like I've I've been through 10 years with Dr. Ong and, you know, <laughs> that's crazy to say, but. Um, Did you, you know get a loyalty card? <laughs> Look, I need to. I need to. I'm going to ask him. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> and and did it work first embryo transfer for your team? It sure did. We were blessed enough that yes, the first first one uh, took not without um, a few scares along along the way. You know, obviously when you first early pregnant, we did have a um, early, even before the first scan an early bleed, um, which was a bit scary. Um, the guys were about to you know jump on planes and and get to me, um, and yeah. So, but luckily, bub stuck in and and all ended beautifully yeah so. and so just for a bit of context what um they're based in Brisbane but you're they north are. Queensland is it one plane flight away it is yes so we're um so you just fly we're in Tannum Sands so um just on the coast of Gladstone so yeah quick very one hour flight from Brisbane to Gladstone sure. But yeah it's, it's still a flight it's not a drive yeah well we drive it all the time the guys do it too so it's about six seven hour drive Yes, yeah, so it's not just around the corner saying I'm having no. a day. I'm heavily pregnant. Can't be bothered cooking tonight. Can you come around and cook? I'm yeah, gonna... that's it. That's it. But you know, you make it work. Yeah. Right. All right. And these two photos. Oh my gosh! So you can see in all of our faces. This is the day that um, the guys came up and we did the home pregnancy test. Um, I'd prepared a shirt just in case. Under I had a jumper on all day. Um, when the guys got there and I thought, all right, I'm either keeping this on or I'm taking it off. And so, yeah, when we got the positive pregnancy test, I was able to take it off. We we all are uh, rugby union fans. We sort of bonded over that. Um, yeah. And so little scrum and scrum being a term in rugby union um, member on board. So that was really cute to take off and go, oh, look, it was, it was special. Um, and then the other photo is um, James, James's sister and beautiful egg donor, Zoe. Um, she's divine and, you know, feels like a sister to me now as well. Um, mm. Myself and Jim Bob at their baby shower that we just made it to. <laughs> yes, I remember hearing about that. And so that means, so it was one of their sisters is the egg donor and the other's sperm. So that means the child is genetically connected to both dads? Both of them, yeah. And honestly, I can see it, that he is definitely both of them through and through. I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And that's a, um, a yeah, great example that of the people coming together to create this life. Oh, hundred, and and it is, you know, the family love is is divine. And I think, as you said before, you know, you don't just create parents, but you create a whole family. You know, yeah. I've created an aunt and um, another grandchild for beautiful, divine grandparents, and you know, cousins, and you know, it's it's a domino effect, isn't it? And mm. uh, I think that's selfishly one of the biggest privileges is to watch is that that beautiful ripple effect that it has yeah, yeah. And even though the connection might have started initially just with James and Jim Bob that's yeah. where your connection started it, it as you say it grew and rippled out to 100%. the other people in their lives oh it does and oh that's us again so that was um we just had our Oh, guys, correct me I think it was our um big scan um like the 20 week morphology scan yes you know? i believe so and we were um having the blood test as well to find out the gender around oh. the same time yes like, yeah so i came and visited again harmony scan thanks james <laughs> <laughs> they're on the chat thank you the harmony scan. so roughly i mean we know he came early um roughly how often were you seeing each other or, or was the plan to see each other during the pregnancy was that planned or just however 
Yeah, look, it was because I um, I was traveling to the clinic a fair bit, um, obviously in the first couple or trimester um, to do a lot of our scans with Dr. Rong. Um, so the plan was that I would, would travel um, to do all of that. Um, a lot of them then sort of could be done here. Um, we'd plan, but backwards and forwards. So um, that dynamic, you know, gets a little bit crazy. And being that I'm part of a blended family with um, four children, that dynamic gets a little bit difficult sometimes. But you know what, you, you make it work. And and I am lucky enough to have such an amazing village around me, the guys mm. support and, you know, we, um, we get through it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should we should unpack that one later too in terms of who is your village. So we'll come back to that. And so, how long have we got? <laughs> yeah, well, I know, right? We could go for days. This photo was um, so my waters broke at my hometown at thirty weeks. Um, I was flown. I, I thought that I had, you know, as most pregnant after having two babies of my own, thought I've just peed myself. Like I'm, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. Here. Yeah. Um, my husband had left that morning to travel for work um, eight hours away. Um, and so he'd just gotten to sight and I called one of our very good friends and said, can, I, my daughter was home sick from school. And I said, can you come and watch uh, um, my daughter? I, I'm just going to go get checked out. Um, not realising that, oh, no, that, that was my waters. So that afternoon I was put on a uh, Royal Flying uh, amb- or plane uh, to the Sunshine Coast uh, where we stayed for nearly two weeks, um, also using um, beautiful Wishlist House once I was discharged from there but couldn't travel home. Um, so this is, I think our mantra was we just have to get to Greenslope. So our original obstetrician uh, was beautiful Dr. Brad Armstrong, um, who I loved, trusted. This man was a, another Keong to me. Um, and so, you know, just stay in, mate, stay in, stay in. And so our, our whole mantra for those two weeks was we just get to green slopes, but their cutoff was 32 weeks. So we had two weeks to to wait with waters broken, not knowing anything. And that was the, you know, within half an hour of us going, yay, we made it to green slopes. <laughs> oh. And so totally unexpected for a team here who's heading towards 40 weeks of pregnancy, everything to be thrown the, you know, out with the water, so to speak, at 30. And so I imagine for you as a family to, you know, the logistics that are involved in that and with kids to juggle to, to change that, that's, and then people look after your kids too. There's lots involved, isn't there? Oh, 100%. Honestly, I um, I am very blessed with the people um, around me. I was going to be, st- sorry, just on James's comment, we were going to be staying at Hotel Greenslopes. I was going to have room service every day. Like they were worried about how they were going to entertain me for six to eight weeks and I was here for it. But um, little Rupert had other plans apparently. But... <laughs> I, I just knew and trusted in my village. You know, people were so supportive of the surrogacy. They loved James and Jim Bob. They loved what we were doing. Um, but it was never the big conversation of what if this happens, what would happen? Um, but I was just so lucky and grateful enough that the guys were where they needed to be. I was taken to where I needed to be and everyone just jumped into action. So our good friend ended up staying with my children, Um you know, we got hold of my husband who then jumped on a plane to get to us as well. Like my mum got to us and, and our friend then drove the children to us and, and everything just fit. 
and it was like a well-oiled machine and I think that was the stress that was taken off. Yes, it was, what was happening was out of our control, but how everyone managed, how the village just came together and went, we've got this, made it so much less stressful, you know, and and um, being a mum, as you know, being there for your children and stressing where your children are and are they okay and are they what have they eaten for dinner because that's you know as as trivial and as silly that who's packing their lunchbox yeah oh my gosh that was a big one I never had to worry about that I knew that everything was taken care of I knew that my husband had them my mum my aunt my you know every single component so that my husband could be with me James and Jim Bob could be with me and you know there's a Oh gosh, you know, the laughs that we had. I, I remember walking through the hospitals and the nurses and midwives were jealous they wanted to stay in the room with us because we were just a hoot. <laughs> oh, it's a credit to your team then that you and the village you built around you. And so oh. then we get to birthing day. So yeah, woke up uh 4 30, 4 a.m. Uh that next morning after that photo was just taken in uh severe pain, going what? Um Contractions had started and I sort of was, what's going on, what's going on? Um, I was wheeled downstairs. So Dr. Armstrong was called and it's like, look, let's just take, do the stop labour. Sure, that's all it is. I had a bit more blood, but I'd sort of been having that with waters broken. It wasn't wasn't crazy yet. Um, I remember them taking me down because they just wanted to check out. Dr. Armstrong was coming. I usually have my phone glued at the hip. Did I this day? Absolutely not. <laughs> I get downstairs, um, Dr. Armstrong arrives, and at this point I'm in severe pain, like I am in the fetal position. Um, Dr. Brad arrives and he goes, Gemma, it's now, like we have to deliver this baby. I'm so sorry. And all I remember is screaming, get me my phone. <laughs> and, um, or ring the guys, ring the guys. And little did I know they'd been to gym already that morning because they are such early risers. God, I love them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd been to the gym and they were at the IGA getting me um, my favourite red licorice to bring up to the hospital when they got the call to say, and it, it's me going, get to hospital, not in room birth suite. And I think that's that's literally all I remember. Wow. And so they were there. They made it. They screamed on in sweat pouring off them because Jim, as had Dr. Brad, he'd just been at the gym as well. So they're both sweating. The guys reckon they went through um, about two two lots of scrubs because they just kept sweating through them. Bless. It was just, you know, uh, e true Hollywood story. Honestly, yeah. no airs and graces. <laughs> Look at the smiles on their faces, though. Hey, it was just, like I was. I'd I'd had natural births with my own. You know, a C section was. You know, and they knew that was my biggest fear, and it was so worth it. And it was really, the health of the baby, wasn't it? Like, had oh, be- and that's all that mattered at that time. And and now, t- you know. I talk about the village, our anaesthetist, our obstetrician just became part of this village. Our obstetrician was the best birth photographer you could ever have. The photos and videos that I've got are insane, better than any birth photographer could have done. Honestly, like it, he came out screaming and I think that was all, we were all holding our breath going, he's so early, he's so early, but look at him there in, in proud daddy's arms and yep. oh my gosh, you know. It was good. So, And then how much did he weigh? He was five pound one. It's pretty good for that. He, yeah. That's it. Everyone kept saying, what's his secret? How do you grow babies so quick? 
Mm, Mine was nine pound one, so he was a bigger one to push out. (laughs) But But I think two months early, like I'm sort of we we laugh about me being grateful that he didn't make it to full term because that (laughs) been a big lad. So then you, you guys had to stay in hospital for a bit. Um, a classic question is often, um, were you in rooms next to each other or something like that? Um, so because Rupert was, um, because he was so early, he was in the NICU. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had uh, my own room in the hospital. There was a pull-out bed. People could stay there, take shifts, blah, blah, blah. The beauty of it was the hospital's literally 800 metres from the guy's house. And so it was perfect. Um Rupert obviously couldn't leave the NICU. He was there. So during the day um, or during night, the night time, I'd walk in and visit. The guys had come in during the day, you know, like he he sort of always had a presence around him. You know, yeah. um, the guys would take shifts or we would all be there together. That I sort of miss though. Like they were so special. And yes, that week post-birth is such a bubble together as a team celebrating what you've done, isn't it? It was a blessing because our original plan was to birth in my hometown um, or sort of an hour and a half away because our hospital was on bypass at the time, unfortunately. Um, It's been a bit crazy here in central Queensland. But um, the plan was that once we were discharged after a natural birth, so after three odd days, the guys would go home and then I would sort of follow a few days later. It was a blessing in disguise that all of a sudden we had this two weeks of just this beautiful bubble that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Like I remember, you know, so many times I'd send a photo of me in the NICU with Rupert having a cuddle if the guys had gone home and they were so torn, you know, they hated leaving him there because the original plan was to be in the hospital room with Rupert. Mm -hmm. You know, that had to change. And I I loved that they loved seeing those photos, that they knew that he was still being loved on and cared for even when they couldn't be there. And that was really special. Yeah. Yeah. I bottled down with my bottled breast milk that I'd expressed and that was amazing <laughs> okay so there's a question there so you did some expressing of breast milk oh, for a little while it wasn't the plan originally I'm like no no I never really liked it with my own but I think um this real pull especially because he was preemie look I always said yep get the um liquid gold you know like colostrum is so important and especially now more than ever um and I just thought you know while I'm here why not? Like I've, I can do this and, and it's only going to benefit him. It's got so many good vitamins, it's so good for him. And so, no, I, I was very proud. I was a proud auntie to be able to, um, you know, and, and I purely just um, expressed it. That was sort of a personal choice for me. It was the it's most. Good for your recovery too. And and yeah. It was divine. It was divine. Oh yeah you're still glowing you sound like you're in the third trimester and still glowing about it really yeah. so it's my favorite subject and I you know I was really just coming into this but I'm like oh this is easy we we had it you know when you talk about something close to your heart uh, yeah. and we love hearing from it so this is That's everybody wins and yeah. so is this, did your family fly down to visit? Is this how it worked? Um, so this is still um, in the interim. So this is when we're at Sunshine Coast University Hospital. So I'm still pregnant in this photo. Um, right. My daughter's on my lap. Um, my husband's pushing me. Um, my aunt, my mum was there. Um, so they would drive up constantly from Brisbane to just come and check in, just visit and just lay eyes 
drop the kids to and from. So um, they would um, take my children back to Brisbane. So they had a little bit of normality just around, so they weren't in the hospital setting. So Will and I at this stage um, were about to go to Wishlist House um, where we got amazing accommodation and looked after sort of like a Ronald McDonald house. Mm -hmm. um, and the guys then were booking um, accommodation literally across the street. So mm -hmm. we were all a skip, like walk across the street to the hospital if anything needed to happen. But yeah, there's that's in the mess. We used to meet up and have lunch down um, in in the mess because it was like a full. It was the services there are incredible. Um, and the other photo on the other side was um, yeah, that was our amazing midwife, and she she was a bit scary to begin with, but we learned to love her. She was incredible. Just um, yeah, so that was the day that Rupert went home. And how many weeks post-birth was that? Two weeks. He was the youngest baby in Greenslope's history, youngest gestational baby. So he was home exactly at 34 weeks gestation. Yeah, wow. Good lad, strong lad. Yes. <laughs> and then these are the four kiddos in your family? Yes, they are. So um, my uh, Cooper in the black, uh, Grace, my bonus daughter, and Theo next to each other in the middle, um, and my husband's holding Miss Evie at the back. And beautiful baby Rupert. And then you can just see down the bottom uh, fur babies, uh, Marvin the white and Miss Maple. Oh. <laughs> yes they, they become part of it don't they yes and so then at some point in time you went back home yeah so um we planned that um my obstetrician sort of said don't fly until two weeks post cesarean um so after I was discharged after a week of of having Rupert I went and stayed um with James and Jim Bob and their family which was just down the road which was great and trying to find that little independence and that little bit of separation so the guys then were still in between the hospital and the house um and I'd sort of go up in the morning for the very early morning visit we'd say hi we'd bring the breast milk and then I'd sort of go back and it gave me time then to um see my sisters and Nana and family and friends as well, trying to sort of get back into a normal rhythm of, mm. of life, which was really great. It was the best of both worlds before I fully was like, I, I have to go home. Um, so what was beautiful, we'd already booked my flight. We knew when I was coming home. Um, and the surprise was that uh, he was come, Rupert was able to, was being discharged from hospital the morning of me leaving. So I was able to watch the beautiful moment that these beautiful proud daddies walked their baby into their home for the first time. And I videoed the whole thing from the garage opening and then yes. walking up the stairs. And, you know, I never realised how, because I think that was a lot of the emotions, you know, being back at the house was it's not fair. He should be here. I shouldn't be here. And you know, the, the, it's so emotional and he yes. being you want to see, you want to birth them a healthy baby That's and, and have him come home with his dad's how you had intended it. Absolutely. And that, that was heartbreaking. That was really, really hard, mm -hmm. but you know, we all managed it so beautifully. And as I said, the support and the village that just wraps their arms around and my gosh, you know, you never get sick of hearing how amazing he was by every doctor, by every pediatrician, yeah. by every midwife and nurse that 
they just they couldn't believe how amazing he yeah. was. He never needed breathing support. Like he was, wow. he hated when he tube fed them. Like him, he wanted to suck feed. And so it was like, yeah. yes, keep going, keep going. Yes. So I think no. a credit to you too, Gemma. You were pretty amazing at what you did too. You know, early scares and you know, unplanned cesarean there. So, and just being a surrogate is pretty amazing, Gemma. Yeah. So well done to you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it, it's, um, as I said, I, I never considered being a surrogate. If it wasn't for these two amazing dads, I, um, I, I wouldn't have, but I call them my brothers now. You know, they are, they're my brothers. Oh, and gosh. if I'm sad and for any, and so, you know, it's, we've, we've moved on from the IP surrogate or P surrogate relationship and, they're just family and yeah, um they become your modern family don't they that's the biggest blessing of all oh that was only a couple of weeks ago the guys came up and visited for a, a long weekend so that's miss evie and mr rupert little chunker yes <laughs> that were on the other side was our parenting dad the court order and yeah. and i think that's really valuable for people listening to see um, the team often go together to the parentage order and celebrate that. And then also the photo there of your daughter holding Rupert and you said they came up for a visit. And so that's, that's what life after surrogacy looks like. Sometimes you go to them and sometimes they come to you. That's how you continue the friendship there, isn't it? And that's it. It's so funny, you know, people, because they knew I was pregnant with Rupert, you know, um, but might not know the story. And um, I remember once my daughter, we had to go to hospital for something while I was pregnant. And um, the one of the nurses said, oh, wow, you're going to be a big sister. And she looked at them so dumbfoundly and went, no, I'm going to be a big cousin, just so matter-of-factly. And they're sort of <laughs> like, what is she, what? And so it's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, good job, Evie, well done. Yeah. But um, this is our normal and they, she loves her cousin. All of my children love their cousin. He is the light of their life and every time we FaceTime, which is basically daily, let's be real, um, you know, we <laughs> maybe not as much, but, you know, we do, we do talk often. And the kids love seeing him and he's getting a lot more um, animated now and can hold that stare and giggle yeah. at you. It's yeah. such... Well, that's <laughs> wonderful to hear, again, like how you keep in contact and stuff. It's really valuable for people to hear. Thank you for sharing those beautiful photos with us to, to talk through your story. The question is then, um, do IVF clinics prefer not to do people not to do pregnancy tests and to wait until the blood tests about 10 days post that transfer? Or do you do some people as a team decide we're going to pee on a stick anyway? What? How did your team make that decision? So we we did decide that um, we would do a home pregnancy test together, but as close to the um, the blood test as possible. Um, so the guys arrived, I believe it was a Saturday, um, and our blood test was booked for the Monday. And so, yeah, we we did decide as a team, good or bad, that we wanted to be together for the response we felt like that was important so whether we were celebrating together or, or hugging each other going it's okay we've got this next time so mm -hmm. um because you're sort of sitting around waiting for a phone call and being that um we don't live close to each other the dynamics of that had to shift a little bit so I think that's why we we chose to do um the home test a few days early um but I know other people that that wait and and can you know have that still closeness but yeah that's that's what worked for us and yes yeah. and yeah. I think you're right each team will do what works for them we hmm. did 
pregnancy test, but then sometimes you're on some medication that tricks it and makes it look like you are pregnant. And so you have to sometimes wait for that to fade. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, everyone works differently there. Mm-hmm. Take us back to the beginning then, Gemma. I, I think I was there about the time that you met these guys. So we met in person at the Growing Families Conference uh, two years ago in Brisbane in the June. Absolutely. Yeah, they're presenting, like helping out, but being on panels as an egg donor. As an egg donor, that's yes. it. I was, I was wholly solely an egg donor. The guys obviously didn't need beautiful Zoe had already donated her eggs. They had beautiful embryos already on mm. ice, ready to go. Um, and I think that's what we found it so easy because, you know, they didn't need anything from me. I didn't need anything from them, and it was just this insane natural connection that drew us from you know I was checking people in at the front door at this growing families conference and I I remember catching their eye going yeah I think I like them and so throughout the day we sort of mingled and then um and then we you know I was catching up with a few other friends that night and and we went out to dinner and I'm like no I'm going to go back to where everyone's having dinner because I need to continuously shamelessly flirt with these two gay men because (laughs) I love them there is something telling me, go back, give them your number. And, you know, I remember during the process, like Jim Bob would sit there. Jim Bob would have been way too nervous to talk to you if he had thought you were a surrogate. Exactly. That, because it was just so easy. Neither because of us. The, so the, the lads are listening to this. And so they type this into the chat. Yes. So, so because you were coming at it from an egg donor point of view, not that, oh, my gosh, this is a potential surrogate, we must put on our best act. They were just being themselves and and asking you questions about the community, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just so easy. We talked about rugby union, you know, like we talked about my children and where I live and, you know, it just flowed. So, and the big word was organically. Everything just felt so organic. And I remember leaving the conference and and leaving the guys, having given them my number and going, we'll catch up on Facebook, ringing my husband going, how would you feel if I ever was a surrogate? And that's how the conversation. But as and his said, answer? And he was like, you know, I'll support you doing whatever you want to do. And yep. he wasn't even my husband. So that was the thing. Like we met in the June, was it? I was getting married May the following year. So the poor guys, I'm like, look, we'll do this, but... I'm not being a pregnant bride, so can you wait? <laughs> and of course they can. And so yeah. little Rupert was born just under two years um, from, from when you first connected. And I think that's about an average amount um, of time there. It for definitely days. took the pressure off. We were able to get the, you know, you don't realise how long the paperwork side of things and, and putting everything together, how long that can actually take. You know, you might be quick at it, but, you know, you're also waiting for the professionals to get in and do their part as well mm. so um yeah I think that that sort of made it easy all the eggs were in a basket we all knew what to do so um August I believe it was 11th was was transfer date so yeah crazy so that's coming up yeah yeah, yeah. I know crazy 
So a question here that's been typed in for you, Gemma, what were the expenses you planned pre-pregnancy? I suppose just talk us through a bit about how you managed that as a team. Did you have a debit card attached to their account or something? Yeah, so way back in the early days before, you know, anything, um, without even prompting, the guys were on it. They just, you know what, we don't want Gemma to have to ask for a thing, whatever she needs. They went to their bank and got a card drawn up with my name on it that was attached to one of their accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fantastic. For any appointment, I could swipe the card. Um, as you said, you know, if I wasn't feeling great during pregnancy, I could get takeaway for the family maternity clothes, you know, and and uh, bras. The guys had to buy me bras while we were away. It was fantastic. I love it. Um, but, you know, it's all these things. There were no airs and graces towards the end. Yeah, they, <laughs> they learned so much. My dad bought me the maternity clothes too, it even some secondhand just, pickups that they it did. It was just divine. Like I, I wouldn't change it. We were just so open and, you yeah, know, I'd yeah. be on the toilet after birth going, Jim Bob, I need you to come in here and it just became so natural sorry but um expenses that were planned yeah anything like if I had to drive um because a lot of my appointments then at the time when we decided we would sort of birth locally to me for a bit of time before the the world fell out from under us you know was driving to Rocky so even fuel expenses um to travel um because that's you know a 300k sort of round trip um if I needed babysitting just anything that would be out of the ordinary and was pregnancy related, baby related. But it was beautiful that I had that card that I I didn't have to constantly go back and forward um, to the guys and go, oh, hey, I need reimbursement for this or, hey, I need money for this. Like it was was just no one likes There was. No one likes to talk about money. It's such a bugaboo topic. And to automatically for that to be taken out of the equation took such a pressure off our team. So if that's that's my biggest advice is just be preemptive. Just go with that. If you trust them enough to carry your baby, you're going to trust them enough to, you know, be good with the finances and, and be reasonable. Be reasonable. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's okay to have some paid babysitting, some extra takeaway meals. You're yeah. not. Yeah. Oh, I had a cleaner towards the end. I finally succumbed. I'm like, by the time I get to third trimester, I'll, I'll get a cleaner. And yeah, so that was good. And then obviously recovering from a C-section coming home. So I use that a few more times as well. And just all those little things that that really helped and I could just do it. I didn't have to, you know, the guys knew what I was doing all the time anyway, but, you know, not having to ring them up constantly when they're, you know, new dads as well. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So tell us something, yeah, in the team. So I suppose, you know, you're having a baby with four adults really, you know, and there's lots of different views on how things should go. So communication, I'd imagine, would be quite key. Is that any advice to to people listening there about some things that your team did well or lessons learned about communication? Yeah, look, nothing was off topic for us. You know, we, we always had a very open line of communication my gosh, I'd ring them and go, oh, I don't feel well. I'd whinge and and they'd whinge back going, work sucked. And and that was great. I think I was, you know, I'd had two natural deliveries, full-term deliveries and, you know, induced for goodness sake, nothing bad was going to happen to us. Um, so I think maybe one thing I brushed under was talking about the what ifs, you know, and what ifs can happen, you know, it, it happened to us. And so I think, 
Um, for me, I was lucky enough to have a huge village around me, to have friends, to have family that could jump into gear. Um, but I guess have those conversations with your surrogate. What if they don't have a village? What if they live away, you live away, and some, an emergency happens? Just communicate. Have those conversations about what would happen if. Mm. Um, they're not nice. They're not, you know, no one wants to think bad thoughts when you're in such a joyous time, when you're pregnant, going, oh, my gosh, no, it's just going to be so amazing. I think that, as I said, I was just so blessed. I, I felt like relief that whatever would happen or nothing was going to happen, but, you know, it, it, we had this, we got this. But um, my biggest advice would definitely be communicate, you know, cross all your um, T's, dot all your I's, make a game plan for every possible. Mm. So they could almost learn from you and talk as a team going, hey, this happened to Gemma's team. When the waters broke at 30 weeks then she birthed at 32 weeks, what would yep. we do in that scenario? Particularly yeah. if long distance apart, who would be looking after the kids yeah. Where do we fly? That's, Where are we staying? Well, that's it. So the day that we arrived at Green Slopes, we decided because I was going to be at Hotel Green Slopes for a minimum of six weeks or so. But um, but so my husband and my kids drove home the day before I had Rupert. So they didn't make it. So that was something that we had to adjust. That was hard, you know, not bringing my husband crying on the phone going oh my gosh get here but knowing he's not going to get there yeah. um you know and so adjusting being willing to adjust to a, a plan changing both ip side both surrogate side you know things don't always go as you plan as you expect mm. but it doesn't make and, it any beautiful like i, I and it's okay to be upset about that for a bit and to wallow and go this is not part of my plan and so, be upset and then yeah, talk about I had a pity party absolutely <laughs> um but I now look at it and I smile and go it's Rupert's journey it was his he was meant to be here and you know his smile his little giggle his my gosh facetiming him on Monday and he's just chatting he's actually you know he talks I talk he talk oh my gosh you know it just makes it all worth it and and I yeah, loved every minute. I love the guys. They know that, you know, I love my village. I'm I'm in awe of my incredible husband who, uh, you know, supported me through this and, you know, yeah, no, wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. If I went into this knowing the outcome would be exactly the same, I still wouldn't change a thing. Well, I think it's a credit to you and your team. I mean, you're still glowing talking about That's that. So and everybody yeah. listening, I'm sure, can hear that too. No, thank We you. could talk for hours, I'm sure. But to, to wrap it up, have you got any other last bits of parting advice or lessons from your team that you wanted to pass on or have we covered it all? I think we've covered it. But, you know, if you're considering surrogacy, do it. You know, it, it's the most selfless, rewarding thing. You know, I... If you meet your person, you know, you just know, and it, it just comes easily. And, and as I said before, I think it's not just about making parents or a parent. It's a it's about the ripple effect. Watch the family grow. Watch the joy that you bring to so many. And, um, you know, you now get that beautiful, heartwarming fuzzies of, of watching this beautiful little boy grow. And I can't wait for that. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you for joining me. On our YouTube channel, you will find many other episodes as well as the images mentioned in this webinar. If you're looking for more resources, check out the show notes for this episode and consider joining us in one of our webinars so you can have your questions answered on the spot. 
Please subscribe to this podcast if you found it valuable and share it with someone so they too can benefit from this conversation. Until next time, welcome to the village.